Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Mile High Insiders with Nick Kendall and Luke Patterson. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Now, it's time to find out what's going on behind the walls of UC Health Training Center. But here we go. We're already off the track before we get going. Uh, Looks like things are ready to rock and roll. He's Nick Kendall. I'm Luke Patterson. This is MHI. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We've got a jam-packed show. And... uh, Man, Nick, it's it's insane. The draft is, you know, a couple weeks away now without this weekend, a week. It's rapidly approaching, and we're about to figure out who the Broncos are going to start selecting in terms of rookies. I'm excited. You're excited. How are you feeling, man? I'm doing well. I'm ready for the draft to get here. Um, at some point, you get kind of exhausted of the uh, constant, you know, what are they going to do, blah, blah, blah. Not that. I do want to say it's kind of the, how do I put it? I'm excited for it to come and go, but that said, once it's gone, I'm going to miss it terribly. You know, like the anticipation is so good that said it's pretty drawn out, but then once the draft is over, it's kind of like, well, now we might as well get to a uh, fricking September, October for real football, because after that, not much is that, that interesting from where I said, and obviously things are a little bit different with Russell Wilson coming to Denver. I'm going to be eating up everything I possibly can, but still after the draft, it's get me to the regular season ASAP. Yeah, it's a bizarre time of year, to be sure. I mean, we're kind of in that time, and I did some writing this last week, and it was weird because not a lot of it was draft-related, if I'm going to be honest, Nick. I mean, I think one piece was, and that was CSU's with uh, CSU Trey McBride going with Mel Kuyper, and then you did a piece also alluding to that. So, I mean, and the rest were like journalistic pieces on the stories, Mm -hmm. what's going on with the Broncos this week. But it's that weird time before the calm, before the, the storm, the Broncos don't have a first pick, so I think Broncos country is kind of bracing themselves for what's going to feel like an odd draft, but it's going to be worth it come training camp when the hill is jam-packed full of families just trying to get their glimpse on number three, Russell Wilson. It's for real. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy, man. So we've got that going for us, but we've got a really exciting show ahead. Scott's on the ones and twos. We appreciate everything he does for us, and just like our guy Dylan, Dylan Von Arks. What's up, Broncos country? Make sure you hit that like button on the way in and subscribe, please, if you haven't already. We're going to be joined by Pro Football Focus's own Kendall Valenzuela. Uh, she used to cover the Broncos during their championship run here with Super Bowl 50. Not that I'm jealous or anything, um, but she'll be joining us here in a little bit to talk about a piece that I covered from Pro Football Focus about Baron Browning, Nick. Mm-hmm. And he had, was a stellar player last year. And let's say hello to some of the folks in the channel before we get there. Paul joined in really, really early before the show even started. want to say what's up to Paul. Thank you for joining MHI on your Saturday night. And then Dale was shortly behind him. What's up, Dale? We're going to put this question in the chat as well when the time comes and Kendall joins us at about 6.15 because obviously the subject is Baron Browning. He had a stellar 
rookie season, Nick. I mean, absolutely stellar. Yeah. I was banging the table for him in the second round. You were talking me off the ledge. No, you don't have to take that second round pick on him. He'll be there in the third. He was, just like you said. And uh, I'm just happy we got him, man. He's a yeah. hell of a young man, a hell of a player. And I just, not enough can be said about number 56. I'm glad he's got that number too, by the way. Yeah, it's a good number, a good player. I'm excited to see what he can do this year, and I'm excited to see what Kendall has to say about it, uh, him as well. But there's no real new information other than earlier there was some discussion about Baron Browning moving from the off-ball second-level linebacker spot to some more edge reps this season. Some of that might just be solidifying the room some, helping the room some, that your top two edge rushers have a lot of injury history, and some yeah. of it could just be versatility. Uh, maybe Ejiro Evero, the Rams the last few seasons have played linebackers at a rate i don't think any other team uh has a lower rate than the line or the rams at linebackers on the field and i'm not including the edge rushers as the linebacker the second level linebackers and in order to get baron brennan on the field you might have to use some reps where he's rushing off the edge because there's not a spot for him at the linebacker position so we'll see it'll be interesting the more things you can do the better but i really hope they don't justin holland's him to an extent where, you know, mm. the linebacker spot is very instinctual. There's a lot of processing. There's a reason that there's more first round bust at the off ball linebacker spot than honestly any other position in football right now. It's because the processing and the instincts are first level before the athleticism and everything. And you're drafting guys based on athleticism and size that can't read and key defenses or offensive lines to save their life. Those guys end up being busts. So a uh, big reason I want to take day two linebackers on the whole, but Browning, you don't want to give him <sighs> too much that said Josie Jules back that Jonas Griffith is back as well he's gonna get a little bit of competition I'm excited about Browning this season I think he's going to has a chance to be a really good player for the Broncos I don't know about a superstar but with his athleticism and what he flashed last year could be really 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 good you gotta wonder if they're compensating we will ask yeah. Kendall about if the move to edge or outside linebacker I should say not edge but if the if the moved outside linebacker for Baron Browning if it sticks is it there to support those injured pass rushers coming back from injuries Bradley Chubb as you mentioned Nick Chad Jensen wrote a really good article on milehighhuddle.com that you could find right now and it's basically explaining Chubb's goal for the years to play every game and I respect mm -hmm. that I mean I think that's a low-hanging fruit if you want to make fun or whatever on Twitter that's fine but I respect that as a man he's like look I get that I've got an injury history so mm -hmm. short-term goals gets you to long-term goals and it starts with staying healthy for Bradley Chubb Lawrence Rivera weighing in real quick saying Jerry Judy is getting praised from quarterback Russell Wilson and I've seen a few graphics out there, a few from Pro Football Focus, actually, mm -hmm. that supports that, asking which quarterback in the AFC West, I think there was one out there last night or today, which quarterback in the AFC West is going to have the most success with a wide receiver? And Russell Wilson was listed with Jerry Judy. Yeah, I he has a great chance. I'm really curious to see what he looks like in this offense. There's just too many variables and unknowns. I think if you were asking me right now who the Broncos' number one pass catcher will be, in this offense, it will be Cortland Sutton. But as far as best in the AFC West, I mean, it's pretty hard not to say, even though he has the worst quarterback, uh, Devonte Adams. And that probably goes to show how I'm not the biggest fan of Hunter Renfro. Now he, what he does is fine, but it's very niche. And, uh, Brian, Brylon Edwards, their other wide receiver. I think Devonte Adams is going to get peppered with targets. So he probably ends up being yeah. the number one guy in the AFC West, but I'd rather personally, I'd rather have three really good guys than one really good guy. And I think the Broncos do have maybe three, maybe four KJ Hamler can stay healthy, really good pass catchers. Yeah. And stay tuned. I think a KJ Hamler piece is in the works. I, I saw one of our guys grab that today. Mm. So 
everybody go go ahead and get to milehighhuddle.com. Nick's got a piece up there as well, talking about uh, I alluded to earlier CSU Trey McBride. But speaking of linebackers, Troy Anderson uh, mocked mm-hmm. to certain teams. Go look at that. I'm not going to spoil anything, but you can imagine we cover the Broncos, right? So we're trying yeah. to find out what we can do for the Broncos, trying to get those positions of need. Brian Dunn weighing in saying, good evening, Nick, Luke, Dylan, and Broncos country. We appreciate you joining MHI. He's Nick Kendall. You can find him on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH. Yours truly at Luke Patterson LP and at Scout Kennedy is where you can go ahead and find Scott. So away we go. Let's say hello to a few more of the folks. And then I want to get to the nitty gritty of Baron Browning. EJ's in the house. Nick saying, what's up? Appreciate you, Broncos country. Let's ride. And how great of a slogan is that, by the way? Yeah. Are you down with the let's ride thing? Because oh. I know I poked fun of Russell Wilson a little for being corny when he was a Seahawk. But now I'm all for it. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, he's our corny guy, you know, no, no issues with it at all. Let's ride. It's great. It's better than go Hawks. Uh, I think the Seahawks actually sued the university of Iowa for the go Hawks phrase. Um, so I'm a little bit salty about them doing that. So anytime <laughs> he doesn't say that I'm okay with it. Falling sloth also in the house. Good evening. Broncos country. Hope everyone is having a good day. It's been pretty good so far. Peter Middleton also saying happy Easter to those of you who celebrate it's Easter Sunday here. So good morning to you, Peter. Good to see you all the way over in Cambodia. Um, also, uh, let's get it going here. We got DeAndre Weatherspoon in the house. I'm looking forward to this draft. Who isn't, man? The Broncos, you know, they don't have a first round pick. They don't have their second round pick. Nine picks in the draft. Thank you. Uh, I think it was somebody confirmed that the Broncos do have two seventh round picks. Shout out to Pro Football Focus's mock draft simulator because they updated that almost instantaneously to have the Broncos yeah. with their two seventh round picks. So shout out to them. I don't think Draft Network or Pro Football Network has it up yet. So excited for that seventh round pick because we're some draft psychopaths. Jeremy Bales in the house too. Sup guys. Good to see you, Jeremy. Michael Ronquillo coming in. Good evening, Nick and Luke in Broncos country. Ernie so Mays in the house as well. Good to see you, Ernie. And uh, let's get in here, Luke. I'm going to let you introduce so we can get it rolling here. Obviously, yeah. Pro Football Focus just released a, a data piece on the linebackers, the rookie linebackers last year, and the best coverage grades from the linebacker position. And I believe number one overall was the Broncos' own Baron Browning, uh, 96th over night. No, was he the 100th overall pick uh, in the 2021 draft? Either way, great pick for the Broncos. Really good player. Interesting to see what he's going to do this season. But uh, excited to, to for you to introduce this guest and get into all this data stuff. Yeah, man. My third round guy, I wanted him in the second last year. I was just thrilled that we got him. Uh, I was banging the table for him. Training camp, wanted to see him, but some injuries kept him out. Yeah. But Pro Football Focus dropped a really interesting stat. And I think it's fascinating considering the Broncos are making a little bit of a switch from what the linebacker is getting a lot of praise. Um, most coverage snaps played without allowing a touchdown last year among rookie defenders is Baron Browning. Now that's 305 snaps. Uh, 295 comes in with Micah Parsons, right? Everybody knows that name. The best linebacker in the class last year, arguably one of the best players, period. And then Pete Werner, his former Ohio State teammate, rounds out that top three at 197. So when I see the Broncos are, are going to start transitioning Baron Browning a little bit to more supporting the edge, I start to get a little concerned because he's already doing so well. So I wrote up a piece. You could find it at milehighhuddle.com. And then I instantly thought, I've got to pick the brain of Pro Football Focus's own. I mean, everybody, we love Pro Football Focus, right, Nick? You and I mm-hmm. are constantly writing about it. We're blabbing about it on this show. We're draft geeks, analysts, nerds, whatever you want to call us. Uh, so I reached out to one of their own who covered the Broncos for some time. That's Kendall Valenzuela. 
She's a pro football focused social content producer, and she covered the Broncos here during the Super Bowl runs, Peyton Manning. And like I said, not like I'm jealous or anything like that, but uh, something really cool, Nick, that I found out today. She's actually from Seattle, where you're at mm. right now in Drew Lock country. So we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to go ahead and bring Kendall on. Kendall, thank you so much for stopping by MHI on Saturday night. We know that you were extremely busy, but uh, I know you've always got your eye on the Broncos. You've got so much work going on over there at PFF, but you've got some love in your heart for the orange and blue and you never let that go astray. Yeah, you're, you're right. Hey guys. Also, hi, nice to see you guys again. Yeah, no, um, I'm not bitter at all that you guys got Russell Wilson and we have Drew Locke now, you know, it's totally fine. I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, you know, everything's good. I was going to say you guys should be out doing so. You told me Saturday night and I'm like, what? Only I will be doing nothing on Saturday night. Not you guys. Cause I'm in Cincinnati, just like Joe Burrow said, there's not much to do. So I was like, I'm free. So excited <laughs> to be here. That's awesome. No, yeah, one thing that that just shocked the world. First, I got to get your instant raw reaction. Russell Wilson. I was at the Shrine Bowl wearing the hoodie uh, in Las Vegas where it was basically assured by many uh, per source, right, on Twitter. But uh, a lot of people said the Aaron Rodgers thing is virtually done, especially with Hackett coming here. The day came. Rodgers stayed a Packer. I was super disappointed. And then all of a sudden, Russell Wilson's with the Denver Broncos. I mean, are you kidding me? What was your reaction? We're still in shock. No, I was sick. I, I'm still sick. It, it was just the worst day of my life when I, and I'm not trying to be dramatic about it at all. It was the worst day of my life. Yeah. And then, you know, it was funny because it got, it even got worse with Wagner. Right. So I'm like, oh, okay, this day Bobby, can't yep. get much worse. And then, you know, it was honestly, cause I'm from Seattle and really, you know, we don't have the Sonics, right? I always get into this like soliloquy. I'm like, we don't have the Sonics. The Mariners are bad. They're not going to be bad this year. Mark my words, but they're bad. And, and so we don't, we didn't have a lot except for the Seahawks. So Russell Wilson gets traded and I'm like, okay, well, there goes mm. my childhood. And then <laughs> they, they seal it with a bow with Bobby Wagner. And I'm like, damn, it's, it's over. You know, I didn't, I never had that feeling before as like, a sports fan because I, I pour my heart out to those guys and like, they're my team. So like, I'd never honestly been through that. And then, but I was honestly excited because he was going to Denver and I'm like, okay, if he was going to go anywhere, thank God it's with the Broncos. They finally have peace and happiness and joy in their lives. So it was, it was a shock, but it, it, I am happy for, for him and you guys, especially to be covering, you know, a good quarterback and things like that. So it's, it's fun. It's a good time for you guys. Yeah, it's like a virtual change overnight. I mean, it's just it's bizarre to me Crazy. that he's here, another Super Bowl winning quarterback. I mean, first it was Peyton. And I mean, you got to cover those teams, those Broncos teams. Oh and I, I think you're going to see so many like parallel versions. But Russell Wilson has his own personality. These guys, their own different generation. One player I wanted to ask you about was Jerry mm -hmm. Judy. All right, okay. because I think Jerry Judy seems to get a lot of love and a lot of hate. Some of the cryptic tweets, some of the production, <laughs> whatever you want to say. I think Jerry Judy is about to change his identity here with the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. It seems like he's projected with Russell Wilson and just about as many stats, memes, gifts, whatever you want to <laughs> call it that are out there. And it's not like people are forgetting Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick, but mm -hmm. what do you expect out of Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy? Do you think Jerry Judy's just been waiting for a franchise quarterback like Russ? Yeah, well, we saw the tweets when they didn't get Rodgers and he was pissed, right? And so that was so funny. And then like a yeah. couple minutes, a couple hours later, he's like, oh, you know what? Never mind. 
I'm good. So no, I think, yeah, I think anyone that wants to like have their breakout season, I know we've been waiting on that for Judy for, for a little while. He's been good, right? He's been solid, but not like what everyone expected. Uh, you know, we wanted him to break out. He got those injuries and things like that. So I think if anyone's going to do it and it's, it's, it's going to be with Russell Wilson. And that's the most exciting part, right? Because yeah, you have Tim Patrick, you have Cortland Sutton, you have these guys, but Jerry Judy is so like, so raw and he's so young and he like he just latches on right to whatever's around him and so i feel like that too is why sometimes you know he lets his twitter mouth get in the way a little bit but he does he does latch on with feelings right and russell wilson mm-hmm. is like a very feelings guy like that is who that is who russ is as a leader um that's who he is. he's corny and he's now your guys's corny quarterback but we <laughs> love him for it anyway but he is he he wears his heart on his sleeve most times and sometimes that also gets him in trouble right but those two together I can't expect, I hope to see it, right? Because you do feel bad for, for guys with so much talent that never get to really go on a run with, with a good quarterback. And they are stuck with some of those guys that are, you know, middle of the pack, back of the pack kind of quarterbacks. So with him now having Russ, like his game should elevate a lot. And it's, it's super exciting to see. Yeah. And talking about the Seahawks, it sounds like Russell Wilson did a lot of research moving on from Mm -hmm. the Seahawks to a new team. Do you have any insight or ideas as to what about the Broncos specifically moving on from Seattle uh, made it such a great spot for him to begin the second part of his career in the NFL? Yeah, I think, you know, you always want to, we always said, right. Even when I was there, they're a quarterback away. And I really do think you can say that for a lot of teams. Like you look at the Colts and things like that. They have a great roster um, and, and a couple other teams, but like, like Tampa Bay and the Rams, right? We're seeing this trend of quarterbacks, one quarterback away teams. Do I think they're as talented as the Rams were when they, when they made that trade? No, maybe probably not. Let's be honest with ourselves, but maybe Tampa Bay Buccaneers style a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I think the GM position is so important and it has shown that George Payton is a boss and he knows what he's doing and he knows what he wants to do to get those guys in the positions where he wants. That's why like his, when you get, when we're going to talk about Baron Browning, I'm like looking back at that draft class and I'm like, Holy hell, like he did like that happened. That was a great draft class and things like that. So I think, you know, it was it was a divorce with the Seahawks. I think it's just as much as Seattle didn't want him there, which is so hard for fans to hear. But you kind of realize, hey, you know, we weren't going to they weren't going to pay him. Um, and you go over to the Broncos and, you know, he's probably going to get paid there, you know, sooner rather than later. And it was kind of just like a, it was a divorce for the Seahawks. They never really utilized him like Russell wanted, right? Russell was the franchise quarterback. Did they utilize him as a franchise quarterback? Not really. No. I mean, that not, not at all. I mean, things like things changed when in 2017, like Russ threw, you know, league high 34 touchdown passes, but they missed the playoffs. And then Lynch is gone. Chancellor Averill, every, you know, everything is changing. And instead Pete Carroll just said, you know, he replaced the offensive coordinator um, Bevel at the time with Schottenheimer. And then Mm -hmm. as part of that move, for whatever reason, still had to, you know, they, they wanted to reestablish that run first identity and that's just not Russ. Right. And you guys know that that's just not Russ. And I think what's going to be exciting and why Russ took this opportunity too is you guys, everyone's starting over, right? Hackett, new, 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 new coaches and stuff. Not to say, you know, I can't even say that even if, um, 
you know, the old coaching staff was in place, he would have said no. I think it would have been a little bit harder to get him there. But right. he just wanted to change the scenery, right? And so you have you have brand new everything, and that's an opportunity for him. And you know, Russell is a diva, and no one can say against Ooh. that. You cannot like it's a good thing. It's okay. Yeah. We know it. We know it. You have to be a diva to be in that quarterback position. Sure. They're all like that. He's a diva. We love him for it and things like that. But like there's going to be a time where they're putting they're putting together that offense and he's gonna push back. And I think he's excited mm -hmm. about that though, because he probably didn't get the opportunity like that when he didn't in, in Seattle, right? You saw it mm -hmm. and you know they did that run first identity, and it was a little bit like you know, what's going on, but that sh like that Shanahan offense could allow him to move well. And you could see, I'm just so excited. I'm going to keep talking about Russ, but like, mm. you can see him go Love back it. to his roots, right? Like, yeah. I just want to see, I want to see like vintage Russ. I want to see him get like him running around and stuff like that, because with, you know, he wanted to get into that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, like statuesque in the pocket kind of guy. And I think he just needs to get back to who he was as a quarterback. And I think he saw the best opportunity doing that in Denver with all the weapons, all the new coaches, everything like that. So I think that was the, that had to have been the biggest part. Well, and speaking of biggest part, I don't know if you guys saw the house that Russ just purchased, oh I think 20, 22 million. Um, yeah, holy cow. I mean, the guy <laughs> is definitely coming into the city and coming in with some flair and some style. Thank you guys so much for joining MHI tonight. I'm Luke Patterson, joined with Nick Kendall, as always, and special guest from Pro Football Focus, Kendall Valenzuela. You can find her on Twitter at kvalenzuela17. Uh, she works for Pro Football Focus. She has her hat in so many so many areas of, of football. She covered the Broncos here, among other teams here in the, in the Mile High mm -hmm. City. And if I understand it, the Nuggets are in a playoffs game right now. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. And the abs are right there. So the Mile High City is back and the Broncos are trying to get on top. Uh, something else I wanted to mention, too, just because I've got a daughter, you know, that Kendall, Nick, I mm -hmm. talk about my kid and my family all the time. But something that Kendall got awarded um, in, in it really means a lot to me, especially having being a girl dad. Right. Um, she got a, a special award of excellence for a women's in sports series that she covered previously with 1043 the fan you could find that on her twitter page at k valenzuela 17 and i just wanted to ask you real quick before we start baron browning i mean it's so cool to see the evolution the evolution of women in pro sports specifically with the broncos in the mile high city here george payton has hired a number of females on his staff with scouts, the brass positions. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing to see Allie get her promotion the other day. I mean, it's really, really special to see it this close to home. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, girl debt, everyone like we just, it, you know, it's not the 1950s anymore. We're all in the times, you know, I've never and and I love I will say when I did that project in Denver with the women in sports, like I had the most incredible outreach of everyone, everyone in Denver. I mean, every, you know, we love Romy. We love all, we yep. love all those, all those women that are just making a difference. So it's so fun because, and that's again, why I think like George Payton is just like, is like, you know, Bruce Arians led the way there with, with how, how much he added to women on his coaching staff, women in his front office, everything like that. So I think it's just such a cool time and it's a great like message to send, like no matter like men, women, it's just, it's such a great time that you can do whatever you want to do. And I think that's such a cool message that they're sending. So I hope to always, you know, if anyone needs any, you know, guidance, I don't know how great of it I am, but you know, always reach out. <laughs> always, always reach out and always, uh, that's something we're always trying to promote is just positivity on our show 
And um, you wanted to give me a little pushback on Baron Browning, Kendall. And Nick, you're going to love this because um, Nick feels that I overvalue the linebacker mm. position. And I do. Okay. I'll just go ahead and say that I do. I fall in love with these linebackers and I want to go get them as fast as I can just because I feel like we've had such a hole at the linebacker mm -hmm. position. So when I see that pro football focus is coming out and saying that the most coverage snaps played without allowing a touchdown last year among rookie defenders is Baron Browning for the linebackers, third round pick out of Ohio state. I mean, come on, you're going to tell me it's time to move him to the edge <laughs> just because Randy Gregory is recovering and a free agent bum signing. Bradley Chubb has had a banged up injury history. His goal is to play all the games. I mean, ugh, I just hope they don't want to move this guy and ruin his career because it's just going so well at inside, at least for the first season. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because when you brought him up, I remember that tweet because I always, you know, whenever we're in our meetings, it's always funny because we always know what will get people pumped up. And it's always Broncos <laughs> country when we send tweets. You got me. Every, everything <laughs> and anything, I'm like, you know, slow day, send a Broncos tweet. They've got us. Like, they, they know what they have, and they're so excited. Let's do it. So, yeah, that was courtesy of Omari White. He, uh, he runs our college everything, and he's incredible. So when that came out, but I was shocked, okay? I thought you just wanted to talk about how versatile he is, Swiss Army Knife, whatever. And then you said, oh, they're thinking about moving him, you know, moving him to the edge. And I'm like, well, if he has those numbers, why, are, why, you know, you know what I mean? Sure. Like that, that was my first reaction, right? Because he's, he is branded as this like Swiss army knife of the Broncos defense. And a lot of that is because he had to, there were so many injuries yet again, and, and he had to step in and he, you know, he got off to a slow start, but he did okay. Right. And I think the challenge for Browning was more like his instincts, which sounds really bad. And I'm really not trying to say that in a bad way, but his instincts kind of got, got the best of them. And he, he'll misread a player or two or whatever, but like our grading system, like he had a, he had a 40 run defense grade PFF grade of 40 and a pass rush. It was 61.2. Now granted those numbers are obviously skewed because he's not getting, he's not getting the snap counts like Michael Parsons is at those other positions. But but my, that was my first reaction. I was like, why would they do right. that if he's if he's having so much success where he is now? So I don't know. I, it's it's interesting because, yeah, Bradley Chubb, all those guys. So I don't know. I want to get your reactions, honestly, because I, I was I was shocked when you told me. I, I just thought we were going to, like, be praising him. And then once you said they might move him, I was like, yeah. okay. Well, and it's just, you know, and, and Nick, let's get your thoughts on it. But I just hate to see Ohio State, I think, ruined him a little bit with oh. moving him around so much. Like, <laughs> yeah. I get that he's versatile, but, like, for crying out loud, Nick mentioned right before he popped on, we don't want another Justin Holland situation mm. here where he could ideally still be here and be in utilized but yeah no let's make this guy that's seven feet tall and inside linebacker outside linebacker it's just not, it's not gonna work nick mm -hmm. what say you uh well talked about it earlier the rams defense uh, under Ejiro Evero as the defensive backs coach, but Raheem Morris and Brandon Staley the last three years, I think the Rams are top three in six-plus defensive back looks. And under Raheem Morris specifically, they like to kind of run a 5-1-5 front, uh, not utilizing the linebacker position as much. So I'm curious if it's more so uh, getting more pathways to the field for Baron Browning because Josie Jewell might end up being that lone linebacker, the green dot wearer, in a lot of defensive looks, especially if they want to be rushing the passer more and be more aggressive with that front, I would guess a five man front uh, with the three interior guys and uh, two edges makes a lot of sense there. But coming back to Baron Brown, and I do have a few maybe secret sauce questions that maybe you can't answer, but I'm curious yeah. 
okay. a little bit. I know that I've heard in the past from Mike Renner and Austin Gale that the coverage grades themselves are not are probably some of the more difficult grades for pro football mm-hmm. focus to assess. And for linebackers specifically, I'm curious about how how these teams are being graded or these players are being graded because in today's NFL, most of the time, if a linebacker is lining up in a one-on-one situation outside the box, they're getting cooked. I mean, just in general, you're not seeing Mm -hmm. linebackers in that situation. A lot of people, Oh, I need a linebacker to stop Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. They don't exist. Those guys do (laughs) not exist. So I'm curious how the coverage grade actually works for linebackers. Cause again, there's not many one-on-one situations where they are lined up in man coverage versus the lineback or a wide receiver tight end running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say like the, the guys that grade insane geniuses, machines, you know, football is life guys. So I will say that you do have to take them with a grain of salt, right? Cause every play is graded like by the eye, you know, they have what the, you know, what they're looking at and things like that. So yeah, you like do have to, yeah, you have to, you have to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, and we mm-hmm. put so much, we put so much on linemen in general. Like we, we just do because they're the ones getting the most, I mean, they, we see them every play. Right. So, so they have so such bigger um, sample sizes as when you go up against, like when you're looking at tight ends and you're like, okay, Mark Andrews was our highest graded tight end and Jalen Ramsey was our highest graded corner, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so you do take them with a grain of salt because you're looking at them like Trent Williams was our highest graded player ever in PFF history. And you look at that and you're like, okay, you know, if you start with a good base and you don't fluctuate, I mean, those guys are so like solid to their core with their play. And if they, you know, if they keep stay consistent in what they're doing, whether like Trent Williams was, Mm -hmm. um, you're just going to get those grades. So I think, you know, you do have to take it with a grain of salt. And I think it's interesting because I did before I came on, I was looking up Browning and things like that. And I found an article from Renner about that though. Like Mike Renner, um, amazing PFF college analyst, go, go look up his stuff. If you want it, if you want a college guy, that's your guy with Austin, but he is incredible, but it was interesting because he he did point out that Baron Browning with his grades and stuff like that, he, he wasn't great, right? I mean, if you're putting it up to PFF grades, anything in the 60s is like a little bit like, yikes, you know, it's not great. But like mm-hmm. he did mention his processing and he he did say like his process was going out, like going on in front of him. And he what he did make those mental mistakes as an off ball linebacker. Right. So that's why, that's why Renner in this article says arguably his best role is going to be like, like coming on the line of scrimmage because like he flashed as an edge rusher when given the opportunity, when given the opportunity. So it's an interesting way to look at it because you did, if you did watch him sometimes, especially at Ohio, Ohio state and things like that against Trevor Lawrence, there's a play on Twitter where you just see him totally like collapse a little bit mentally. And, and you saw him a little bit with the Broncos make the same kind of play plays a little bit. So you think, okay, if you put him, if you put him over there, maybe, you know, he had a really good combine when he went. So maybe that changes things. Um, I mean, I, I remember, I remember his combine a little bit, like he had a like four, five, six, 40 or something like that. So he's quick and he can do those things, but I would take the PFF grade with a grain of salt, not his, not what we put out, but you know, when you're assessing it, his grades are Mm -hmm. low, but there's so much there for him to do because he, he was injured. You got to take that into consideration too. So I just think Mm -hmm. it is interesting when you think about it though, if his, if he can't process quick enough there, putting him on the edge could be, could be a way to do it. George might have something up his sleeve. I don't know. I fell in love. Yeah. I fell in love with him at the senior bowl. So like, yeah, I saw and he was on the edge a lot to be fair. And to see some of that pass rush, it makes me wonder if they just, I know they love PS2, but I don't need them to, to turn 
you know, Baron Browning, try to turn him into Micah Parsons. I don't need that. He yeah. doesn't need that. And that's just, I, I don't, I have more respect for George Payton and this coaching staff than that. So maybe that's just a crazy conspiracy <laughs> theory. Um, but one thing I wanted to get to, and again, we're joining, we're joining Kendall Valenzuela is joining <laughs> yeah. us from pro football focus. You can find her on Twitter at K Valenzuela 17. Um, before we get too much further, Dennis is how ha- Dennis Woods has a question mm-hmm. for you, Kendall. And Dennis is a good friend mm-hmm. of the show saying hello, Hi, Kendall. It seems like Russ Wilson's biggest criticism is his height and not using the middle of the field. What is your take on that? Yeah. I mean, Denver's been known to have very tall quarterbacks, guys. So I don't know if it'll work out. You can you can send it. him back. <laughs> you can send him back if you want. I'll take him back anytime. Things like that. But I I don't know. I think I think Russell Wilson, if he's not at his prime, he's at a peak and like still at the top of it, coming down. Right? He's not he's not low, but he's like at that peak and like a little bit lower. No one's gonna say no to Russell Wilson. He's a franchise quarterback. He's gonna you be bet. great for for. I give him, I mean, great, probably four years. And that's, you know, he's only signed four-year contracts, and that's probably what's going to come out of Denver, right? It's going to be a four-year contract. Derek Carr's getting paid for whatever reason, so you know Russ is getting paid. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be like that. But I think, yeah. like, Russell Wilson, and I said it, I think I said it a little bit earlier, like, the, the, the Shanahan offense, like, could allow him to move well enough and have that, like he plays really well off that run game component, right? And I think what will need to happen is he will need to get back to his roots just a little bit and be more willing to run to make up for what what Dennis said, right? To make up for the fact that, sure, like he is statuesque sometimes. He wants to be a little little diva-ish in in the pocket and things like that. But I I can't even say there should be a concern with Russ besides the finger thing that happened. Um, and you just don't, right. you want to make sure that that's okay, which it is, but you know, now that was his first big injury. I mean, we never had to go through that as a, as a franchise, as a team. So I think that's the only thing, but I don't, I don't think there's anything to worry about with Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, especially that offense. Neither does Kathy Wayne in saying I'll yes, take tiny Kathy. Russ Wilson over tall Brock Osweiler every day and twice on Sunday. And I'm not even going to shade, throw shade at Brock. How about Paxton? We'll go that route we'll yeah. go with because Paxton. Brock, you know, he has his place in Broncos history with that Super Bowl 50 team that you got to cover. Uh, absolutely amazing. But Nick, let's kick it over to you real quick because I've got a final question for Kendall, but I love to just let my gums flap and Nick, I never give you the time of day on our own show. So fire Poor away. Nick. No, it's all good. I mean, Kendall's got to stick together here, but a few questions just as far as team building and the Broncos coming up draft wise, uh, going back, um, obviously PFF, you know, a lot of the advanced analytics such as EPA per play mm-hmm. and uh, based on the usage of this player versus other positions, Russell Wilson really hasn't utilized the tight end as much mm-hmm. to the great usage of the position versus his wide receivers. He's much more wide receiver reliant r- running game for the short uh, work in the short areas, of the field and the wide receivers in the pass game. Um, and there's a lot of talk about the Broncos, maybe targeting a local kid tight end uh, by the name of Trey McBride. And personally, I, I think Trey McBride's a great player. And if you took him at 64, mm-hmm. I'd have no issue with that. Nick but hates him. I don't oh, think no. it's the best utilization <laughs> of resources with Russell Wilson. Uh, just be, and it's a one, maybe one of the reasons also uh, the Broncos were okay moving Noah Fant uh, mm-hmm. in the first place. There was some talk. I actually have some information that Tim Patrick was thinking he might be getting moved um, in that yeah. first room and didn't end up getting moved. Broncos instead kicking up to Noah Fant. And I'm wondering if it's some of that is just because with Russell Wilson coming to town, with his uh, lack of usage of the middle of the field, 
Also with uh, Nathaniel Hackett, not really using the tight end as much, except in the red zone, Robert Tanya and obviously Mercedes Lewis as a blocker. If the tight end position is devalued in Denver in the system with Russell Wilson, to the extent that maybe it's not the best usage of resources to take Trey McBride, not taking any way, anything away from him. He just doesn't offer the dynamic ability, whether that be a freak athlete or mm -hmm. a monster blocker that can help uh, dictate opposing defensive personnel. So maybe not as, not as valuable for the Broncos at 64 overall. Yeah, I mean, and and you go, you got to think about you know George Payton is a great drafter, right? But you you do start at sixty four. You got no one in the first round, which does you know you got to take that into consideration there. So I did look up and PFF like we have an amazing I call it our draft bible, but I did have to look, I went out and looked up Trey McBride and our PFF you know draft top one fifty and he he was there. I was happy about it, but like like Colorado like CSU is an interesting college when you look at tight ends right because like a lot of like call in in college football history like they don't they focus so much on the tight ends right mm -hmm. and so it was interesting to look at because like over his span with csu right he accounted for 38.1 percent of their passing yards which is insane right as a tight end that's like that's insane so he he's good Right. But like, you're right with Russell Wilson. Is it necessary? May, I feel like you guys have a lot more holes that you would want to fill than looking at a tight end, especially, but, but you know, I don't know. You never know. Right. Like he has pros and cons like mm -hmm. CSU and their level of play. I mean, you never want to sure. fault anyone going into the draft. I mean, they're great athletes. Like Trey McBride is a great athlete, but you look at his level of play and you're like, okay, like it, you know, who, who were they playing? Probably not huge teams. Right. And he's, sure. he's not going to be, he's not going to be a move tight end and he's not going to win those like one-on-one -on -one outside, outside, despite like doing so in college. And we saw it a lot. Like he's just like, unfortunately, maybe not. And maybe he can grow into the role. He's like a straight line after the catch player. And there's not much of a dynamic there. And you can yeah. see it like on PFF, we have, you know, the, the heat maps and things like that. And you can kind of see he is, he does fit with what, if everyone is saying that Russ is not good, you know, right up the middle of those short plays, then yeah, he fits right there because you look at his heat map and you're like, holy hell, that's what this guy's doing. But is the dynamics, like, is the dynamics there? Um, maybe, but like he, he was like, Mike Renner described him as a man among boys, but that's only based off the competition he had. Yeah. So you take that into consideration, like, is this the best play for them, especially with that coveted pick? Their first one is on day two. So maybe yeah. not. I, I just don't, yeah. I don't see it. Um, and I like him. Like he's obviously tight end one, like it, he's really good, but is that the way to go when you have, you know, other areas that you could probably improve at? Probably not. Probably not. They don't. Yeah. I mean, and that's just it. And that's, what's weird about it though, because I think that makes so much sense that they need to go into other areas, but mm -hmm. they like Trey McBride. They had yeah. scouts at his pro day when I was there, they invited him to, for a visit. And so did the whole entire AFC West and a yeah. bunch of other teams, <laughs> right? Because yeah. he's that good of a player. But when you look at him, he's a, he's a yards after the catch guy. He's mm -hmm. not a ton of touchdowns when you look at his numbers and things like that. So definitely something to, consider as the broncos are almost just a week away from the draft isn't that crazy insane? i'm so uh, excited yeah oh, right it's a special so time of year and a, a special guy one of our supporters a friend of the show peter middleton weighing in peter. with a great question saying kendall why is he lower than his peak i'm assuming russell wilson peter uh why can't russell do better with a better offensive line oh. and more attacking threats 
I think he can. I think he can. I just think when you're looking at his career, right, you just have to – I'm looking at it uh, from – not unfortunately, but from a PFF standpoint. And from I a bitter look at Seattle it, fans standpoint as well. I think I'm going to make sure that that is known here. <laughs> I do take I do take a little bit of Seattle bitterness with it. But, like, in PFF, like, we are so stats-heavy. We're so stats-driven. I know some people don't like that, and I totally understand. Um, because it's sometimes tough to not think – like, to not think with your heart like I do and think with your head and things like that. And we just sure. – you know, we look at Russ and and I think I think like I said he could be at his peak and maybe just a little down like maybe just you know not catching mm-hmm. speed going down but he's still up there and I, that's why I think like attacking a tight end position for him is not the way to go it's it's the offensive line and to get him I've said it the whole show to get him back to that core of who he is I think that's when he that's when he played his best and he if he gets back to his like to his core and to what he was peak Seattle, then yeah, you're right. Like you can keep us like going up with Russell Wilson. If he, if he trusts what's happening around him, the thing with the thing with Seattle is I'm taking it as there wasn't trust there. I mean, they established that right. run first defense and they're the run first offense. And it was like that to him is a slap in the face because he should have been treated as a franchise quarterback. And in my opinion, he wasn't. And the thing with Denver is I know for a fact with you guys, with everyone I keep reading, Everything I keep seeing um, from you guys and everyone is like, they're not going to do that. Like they have already said like, yeah, we're going to pay him in due time and that's probably going to come up. And, you know, I think that just the level of trust that he's going to have there and if they get him back to his score and he gets the thing is, too, he gets to build this offense with you know with everyone there and he's gonna have pushback on that with Hackett and things like that but he's in it from the ground floor and with Seattle it it wasn't it wasn't like that so you're right like you could see him go to a new level that maybe I'm not even thinking he could go to because I saw how they utilized him in Seattle and to me that like that put him on a down like just a little bit of a downward slope just a little bit well, and you're right, and you mentioned it earlier. I mean, he is coming back from injury with with a, a finger issue, mm-hmm. and I don't think any of us are anticipating it's uh, you know is going to stop him from having further success. But it's something that you need to be concerned mm-hmm. about. And he is an aging quarterback, and we're seeing these quarterbacks play well into you know their latter years, if you will, with Tom mm-hmm. Brady coming back and everything else that Aaron Rodgers is doing. And Kathy, by the way, we really appreciate your support. Saying yes, you guys are having Kathy. a great to interview please have Kendall back again and yeah. final question for me because Kendall's been so gracious and over her time with us on Saturday night we live, we live in Cincinnati folks um, <laughs> this is this is what we're doing here no offense She's... to anyone from Cincinnati but hey but, yeah you know. in Cincinnati you know what they got a lot of exciting things going on in terms of their football teams right now yeah. I, yeah. I mean it, Joey, Uncle Joey, how can you not love Joe Burrow? The final one for me, and I got to ask you because everyone knows Twitter's the most important thing ever, and it always gets us into a little bit of trouble, but this is one (laughs) that I liked. Eddie Mack, Ed McCaffrey, former Broncos wide receiver uh, last week, sticking up for his former head coach, Mike Shanahan, and kind of putting the Pro Football Hall of Fame on blast, asking why Mike Shanahan is not in the Hall of Fame. Mike Shanahan, as you know, won back-to-back Super Bowls here in 1997 and 1998, also has an additional ring as offensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers. Why isn't Mike Shanahan in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Because I wrote a piece about it on milehighhuddle.com and I'm just scratching my head, just like Eddie Mack. Yeah. I just I don't get it. You're you're seeing Dick Vermeil go in this year, but Mike Shanahan's not. 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm with you. That's the million dollar question. If you have the answer, you guys can DM me. I'll put some money on it. We'll go to the offshore books. I'll be like, oh, he's coming up. Like, we're good. He's next. But no, it's, I agree. I feel like that's just like, it's almost too obvious. And I don't know, maybe he pissed some people off. I'm kidding. I'm sure he didn't. But like, what, you know, what, what else is there? Right. Because you do look at Dick who got it, who got it last year. And I think Eric Delala, um, I think that's how you say it, like put mm -hmm. out, the wins and stuff like that and everything they he put them up together and it's like it's it like Mike Shanahan's better like he had a better career yes. win percentage he had he had more career wins he had two Super Bowl uh wins and appearances and he has a better playoff win percentage so you're looking at that and you're like I don't I don't know I don't know the answer again if you guys figure it out before me please let me know because it is it is confusing because I thought it was going to happen because they changed the like they changed the rules, right? They changed yeah. like how, you know, a coach now doesn't have to fight with players to get in. And so when that happened, I was like the first person that I feel like the first person everyone thought of was Shani. And so I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm like, perfect. You know, you don't have to, it's tough when you go against players because, you know, you have that limit there. But now one coach goes and you're kind of looking, you're like, what, what the hell? So I have no idea. I don't know if he pissed anyone off. We can write letters. I mean, I just, I, I don't get it. Um, I know it. And I don't know what they're waiting for. There's nothing to wait mm -hmm. for. Well, and Nick, we talk about it all the time on MHI. I mean, his coaching tree, we're watching it today in the mm -hmm. NFL. I mean, you look at these teams that are constantly in the postseason, NFC, AFC championships, Super Bowls. They've all got their roots back from Mike Shanahan slash Gary Kubiak pupil mm -hmm. and then of course there's kyle out there in san francisco but tons of love for mike shanahan yeah. just like tons of love for kendall valenzuela who has very, <laughs> been very kind with her saturday night time with us here on mhi with uh luke and nick again you could find kendall at k valenzuela 17 on twitter she works for pro football focus has her hands in a lot of exciting things and yeah. i think you were mentioning uh some podcasts that you have yeah, coming up no, too, I mean, right, Kendall? we're yeah we're degenerate gamblers here so if anyone wants to be <laughs> a degenerate gambler with me no i i just have an awesome podcast with an awesome guy uh ben brown we just do a weekly right now but during the season is like our bread and butter we give out yeah. we give out everything you need to know um so we we love the podcast pff betting pod is what we do once a week now so would love to get any broncos fans like we, we talk about the broncos a lot because we're like win total yeah. over we're like super bowl appearance maybe no we're yeah. just we're high on them so well, we have that going on and the sale we have a pff sale going on so if you guys seriously i i'm not giving you a sales pitch but like everything we talked about tonight is literally all at pff um and so we've got a 50 percent off sale going on right now which is like crazy super good deal so go to our website uh, you can find like the draft bible everything coming up you can be the talk of the party at your you know dinner party with your friends you'll know it all you'll know it all in a week you know what some of those guys, those those friends of yours uh, in Denver got me hooked on, specifically oh, like Beastoke and Cecil, prop oh, bets. Yeah, prop bets. I'm all up in the prop bets now and everything like that. Nick you Shaker can't do anything like anything Stokely does. Just run the other way. It's <laughs> just got, horrible. I know. It's horrible. I know. He got me on the prop bets. And I, yeah, I refuse to talk to Zach about any of it. Uh, yeah, but no. again, you guys, Kendall, thank you so much for joining us yeah. tonight. We hope to see you maybe a little later down the road. And yeah. uh, go Broncos. We're really awesome. excited. Uh, we're really excited for this season and can't wait to see what you guys yeah. are cooking up for us here at Pro Football Focus. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy, Russ. Seriously, you guys, like, seriously, you guys deserve nothing less than a franchise quarterback like that. So have fun. I hope to be back soon. 
Awesome, Kendall. Can't wait to see what you're working on. Awesome. Bye, guys. Be good. Thank you so much. That was Kendall Valenzuela of Pro Football Focus. Again, you can find Kendall on Twitter at KValenzuela17. Peter Middleton weighing in saying nine picks, two seventh rounders. Why are so many mock draft simulators and websites not realizing it and still saying eight? I mean, it's a seventh round pick. It's a late pick. And a lot of those teams don't update those things consistently. I mean, we had debates for a long time of what fifth round pick did the Broncos send to the Seahawks? I don't know. Uh, it was just, uh, <laughs> I think it was who yeah. I absolutely love Jordan Reed over at ESPN, a rising star over there. He had the Broncos having two fifth round picks in his recent seventh round pick mistake. Uh, I think one fifty two is with the Seahawks now. So those picks are going to be a little bit of mistakes here and there. Hopefully they get updated soon, but the Broncos currently have nine picks. George Payton rectified. He kept saying nine. Turns out he's right. And uh, I think the Broncos right now only have four picks in 2023. So maybe some of those nine need to start be uh, helping you accumulate some 2023 draft capital as well. Everybody makes mistakes except George Payton. At least that's the way it's been so far. I mean, so he's going to, he's going to right sooner or later. And I got dang it. I, we know he wanted Spencer Brown, damn it. And we're going to talk about it every week because Nick, you talk about offensive tackle too. And rightfully so. We we've we need some more offensive tackles in waiting, de- developing. You yep. still need a long-term right tackle solution. Garrett Bowles is definitely aging. He's in yep. his prime right now. I can't wait to see. I love what he's up there saying, you know, nobody's going to touch Russ. I love it, man. Absolutely love it. Travis Weber coming in here. Travis, a good friend of ours. We really appreciate you joining in MHI on your Saturday night, Travis. I just hope the new ownership will interfere with the culture shock the Broncos are taking on. And Travis, I absolutely love this. Nick, I wrote a little piece on milehighhuddle.com talking about how bids were being placed or expected to be placed starting last Friday for Broncos ownership. Rob Walton, obviously reported leader in the clubhouse. Uh, what do you make of the ownership? Are you hearing anything? What do you? What your general opinion? Is it going to go quick? Uh, is it going to drag on a little bit? When do you think the Broncos are going to have their ownership sale wrapped up? It's probably going to be, we're going to have some idea at some point in the summer, what's going to happen. And I think that if Walton is involved, nobody else is going to beat him out. The, way the, trust, the way the trust is set up, it has to go to the highest bidder as long as the NFL teams uh, would approve it. And the NFL teams would approve it. And I think Walton's like four times as rich as anybody else, any other ownership in the NFL. So if he wants it, he's going to get it. And, you know, say what you will about Walmart. I know the last time we were talking about this, there were some people pretty upset about the idea of a Walmart owner coming in here. But again, anybody with that much money probably stepped on some heads on the way to the top. So uh, sure. have some- and, yeah, I agree with that. And, and, you know, here's the thing, too. And something I tried to write in my in my article on mahahuddle.com, it was a little awkward for me, if I'm going to be honest, Nick, because I don't really like generally like to write journalistic pieces like this. Mm-hmm. But we don't know a lot about Robert Walton. So I did some digging in. I know I poked fun the other day saying he's got a car collection. Well, that car collection is worth $226 million. They were like averaging out based on how many cars he had. Each one was worth approximately $800,000, which is over the minimum salary for a veteran NFL player. So, I mean, the guy has deep pockets. That's what matters, folks, in the NFL. I know we want them all to be Boy Scouts, and that's not to say he is or isn't, but it's time for an ownership. It's time for new blood. It's time for something. And with that, you're going to get Russell Wilson paid. Also wrote about that because Derek Carr, as Kendall kind of poked fun at the Raiders too, which I absolutely love because they're the Raiders. Um, They 
paid Derek Carr, but he's not, you know, anywhere making Aaron Rodgers Mahomes money or anything like that. But we've we talked about it, Nick. Russell Wilson's yeah. gonna get paid, and I would love it if the sale happened so fast that Rob's telling GM George Payton right now, look, I'm the richest guy here. All right. Don't worry about paying Russ. I got it. And let's move ahead because you're going to get a new stadium. You're going to get Russ locked down and you're going to get a whole hell of a lot with a, a billionaire, a billionaire. It's just freaky to say, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess don't just sign the check immediately because there's salary cap implications that are going to matter for the Broncos of building a team around, uh, Russell Wilson, but as far as putting all the money in escrow and paying him the huge guaranteed money up front, I would be totally fine with paying him a, and I hope he would do this, but Russell Wilson's not going anywhere. I have no issue being married or tied to him, paying him a bigger guaranteed contract if it means less against the salary cap. APY. Now, I, you do lose a little bit of flexibility as far as year to year, you know, like, oh, restructure the contract. That's just guarantees being kicked up later in the he's deal. Not gonna do, and he's not going to do it. I mean, you don't players don't think I have a de- uh, a choice on the restructured contracts. It's just moving money around. Uh, it's an accounting thing uh, in the end. But you lose that flexibility. But that doesn't really matter if you can get a lower average per year against the cap. So hopefully they do that. And with a rich owner, it's not just the obviously paying guys, putting them in furlough, ex- the money, excuse me, in escrow. But it's also, you know, new training facilities, whatever these guys need, best technology. Uh, something I wish we could have asked Kendall as well. We Thank you so much to her for spending so much time, but talking about the grading system at PFF, I'm ready for the revolution of GPS data. How soon is that coming down the tracks? PFF we're waiting on USF that USFL baby. Did you see it, Nick? I did see that. And I also know that uh, the senior bowl used uh, zebra technologies to register I, explosive yeah. movements, change of direction, spatial data. I mean, instead of some guy, a bunch of different dudes and gals grading a player, if they had a good coverage grade or not, why not look at the distance between the player and the ball carrier? I'll tell you why best on that. I have the answer, and it's the same answer that I would give for baseball with what? Did they figure out the strike zone? You're a baseball guy. I don't know, or whatever the the problem was for years there and the digital technology of moving the change. Why? Gambling. Yeah. (laughs) Gambling is why. All right? Not everything is always as you think it is. Not everything's so square in the good old US of A of professional sports. And that's just my crazy thought. I would love to hear what Kendall and Carl. We got to get like a four show here going with Carl and Kendall because Carl obviously gets some definitely good advice on on some bets and stuff like that too. But, um, man, one thing I'm curious too, just – thinking about being a gambling degenerate and i'm not i really don't gamble that much only in the nfl and i play for like nothing so if i win three dollars i'm pumped on like a one dollar bet or something like that uh but it's just one of those things where what's the over under gonna look like what are the points the favorites the underdogs what's it gonna look like in the afc west games because i feel like it's gonna be really really close the over under on the Broncos wins the season or just games in general when AFC West teams are playing each other interdivisional yeah. games. So when you look at the over unders, when you look at the spread, you're not going to see the same lopsided kind of stuff that we've yeah. seen as of late, because this is the best division of professional football. Am I right? Yeah. yeah well, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm curious to see how it all shakes out. And uh, hopefully the way it sets up right now, the Broncos have a chance to have the best defense in the division. I know that you need good offense and a franchise quarterback to contend in today's NFL. The math is totally different. It's a have or have not quarterback Broncos entered the have quarterback. Now, maybe they, maybe the difference maker in them in the entire AFC West is whoever can have that best defense. And the Broncos are going to have a chance at that this season, obviously moving on from Vic Fangio, I would expect the defense to regress a little bit. 
but still should be right up there. Chiefs defense doesn't look great on paper. I really don't think the Raiders have a good back seven and the chargers. While I think they're the ones that have the best chance to compete with the Broncos for the best defense in the division. They were yeah. bad last year at stopping the run. A lot of injury prone pieces as well. I mean, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Khalil Mack, some guys that have some injury history. And just because they threw money at it this offseason doesn't mean it's going to be an immediate turnaround. Now, if anything can turn around quickly, if you throw money at it, it is the defense. We've seen that over the past few seasons. Bengals went from a bottom five defense to top 10 this last year. Raiders went from bottom three to middle of the pack because they threw money at it. So that is an avenue to make your defense much better quickly, but have to see it first. So it will be really interesting. Andrew Baker coming in saying, sup, Nick, Luke, and Scott, and my brethren. Good to see you, Andrew Baker. Thank you so much. I know enough to know that nobody knows how these draft players shake out in the NFL, so it's up to George Payton we trust. I think we got to give him a little bit more credit than that because it's not pure chaos. You know, you're not seeing seventh-round picks hitting, like, first-round picks. There is some method to the madness. Typically, the good players go first. It's just there are no guarantees. There will still be busts. These are humans, and there are injuries that happened, personality stuff, you know, guys just not clicking, et cetera, et cetera. But if you look at where players are drafted, there's still a pretty strong correlation to the earlier guys are more likely to hit than the later guys. Uh, yeah, uh, but let's talk about the mid guys. I, I would give a little push push there because I think we all know, right? It's no secret the the mid rounds is where you make your bread and butter in the NFL. It's just determining whether or not that premium round pick, which ends at the end of bottom of round Mm -hmm. three that three through four through five then we're splitting hairs um one thing and andrew by the way i think i saw javante williams jersey he was wearing there that's uh, my guy pookie my guy that's so cool to see guys giving so much love to javante williams and that's another thing nick real quick as we wrap up the show um seen some jerseys around that I'm not used to seeing, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's cool to see Pat Sertan's Jersey. Like, you know, he's a staple, but it's still number two, you know, it's kind of weird. It's not traditionally a Broncos number that I associate with another player. So I'm still trying to get used to it, but you see number three, they're everywhere. I'm sure the Easter bunny might even be dropping off some number threes for some young Broncos country kids, maybe tomorrow morning. Um, if you had a chance right now and, and the NFL, whoever sent you a gift card that says you're going to buy a Bronco jersey, what jersey would you buy? It could be a current player, a former player. Would it be the home, the away? What color scheme? Because I got to be honest, I'm thinking it's time to buy my kid a Russell Wilson jersey. But oh, there's so many different variations of them and they all look so freaking cool. Definitely Russell Wilson. That's the jersey to go with. That's the prime one yeah. right now. The number three looks good. Orange? Um, I. The thing is, there might be a new uniform coming down the tracks with new ownership, and maybe it would make sense to wait for a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Sertan jersey if there's a new fresh dig coming out, uh, new digs mm. that are coming out. So maybe it's a little bit smarter to go with a historical player uh, for now, because if Ooh. Russell Wilson, I don't know if I want to buy a color rush jersey, and then a year from now, you have a brand new spanking jersey that I'd rather be rocking the new digs. Uh, Do you like the, the color rush jerseys, though? I personally do. Uh, do you? I like the okay. on the shoulder. I don't really like the the side swoosh on the pants for the the uh, current jersey. I also don't really like the navy blues as well. Every single every other team in the NFL wears navy blue. Oh, they won the Super Bowl in them. Zero percent sentiment sentimentality here, guys. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, man, those curses. I'm telling you, no Nick. Curse. They no exi- they're totally. No they're totally Mr. Scientist, right? They're yeah. totally cursed. You gotta. I'm gonna convert you to alchemy, my friend, and you'll <laughs> love it. It's a hi- hybrid of both. Uh, no, but yeah, you're exactly right, man. Uh, new ownership. What else could they bring? New jerseys. That's exciting. This is an exciting time. This is a rebirth 
of a team, if you will. I absolutely love it. And John Clay weighing in. John Clay eventing with a $2 super. Appreciate you, John, saying I love the white Wilson jersey. And that would look good. I've just... I've never liked the away jersey. I don't know why, man. I've I've had I, I don't think I have any orange ones. My kids have them, or my kid, my wife has an Eddie Mac jersey that I got when I was a kid. Um, but the the throwbacks, right? You see Steve Atwater's out there, Terrell Davis is out there. It's cool though to see Broncos country bringing their orange back out. But Nick, last thing on the way out, the draft hats are getting worse every year for the Denver Broncos, in my opinion. What do you think about the draft hats as we prepare to launch our very own Mile High Huddle draft coverage here in just over a week? What do you think of the Broncos draft release hat? Not very good. Uh you know, horrible bummers. <laughs> yeah. Major bummer. Uh, waiting for something better. I'm just, again, bring back the old D or some sort of iteration of it and uh, let's roll yeah. with it. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the rooster looking horse head as much. I mean, it's still the Broncos. So I love them, but we can be better. And uh, speaking of being, being better, our pal come in and saying, bring back the mile high salute. Absolutely. Yeah. Travis Weber also coming in and saying, great show tonight, guys have a good night and enjoy your Easter tomorrow. Go Broncos. Thank you. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Travis. Um, and also we got Heath Holmes coming in and say hello to MHH. Love y'all's contents and football minds. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, Heath. That's really nice of you to say. And Kathy also agreeing with us. The draft hats are ugly. They're horrible. Yeah. They're Not horrible. Great. They're horrible. And speaking of the draft, I think did did we read that Chad's going to Vegas this year to cover the draft? Is that I what think I so. think? Dude, I think Chad happening. Jensen, ladies and gentlemen. You can find him at Chad Jensen on Twitter, I think, or at Chad Jensen MHH uh huddle up zone. So stay tuned. I want to tease that, man, because Chad's always working hard. You can find him and Zach tomorrow on Huddle Up for some Easter coverage, I believe. And then Nick will be right back. I know you did back-to-back shows. I saw you last night on Friday night with uh, Eric Trickle on Dove Valley Deep Divers. So you'll be back a short weekend for you on Monday morning for Broncos for Breakfast with Scott Kennedy at Scout Kennedy. You can find Nick at Nick Kendall MHH. Yours truly at Luke Patterson LP. Guys, I implore all of you to head on over to milehighhuddle.com right now where Nick has some articles up. I've got some articles up. We've got tons of content from all of our guys all over the different pods. Chad Jensen, Zach Kelberman, uh, Lance Sanderson has some scouting profile articles up if I memory serves just before mm-hmm. we came on the show. And Gary Lee's Palmer coming in here with a lovely compliment. Thanks, guys. Great pod. Gary, thank you for joining us and the rest of Broncos country, too, because this was a really, really sharp show. It was awesome to have Kendall on and pick her brain. It's awesome when we can get some guests on from – a different level, you know, like she understands Broncos country, but we were trying to look at things. And I know you try to look at things as objectively as we can, but sometimes yeah. it's cool to get a, like a national perspective view. And I think Kendall definitely brought the house down with a lot of her uh, great insight. Yeah. And that's something I really appreciate. Shout out to her again. Uh, make sure you guys are following her on Twitter and her content. And she dropped that pod there. I'm not much of a gambler uh, as far as that goes, but still good content and appreciate her coming on. And that's something I really try to guard against too. You know, sometimes I feel like we can get specifically in these kind of realms a little too, you know, echo chamber going on. Oh, the Broncos, man, there's, they're going to be great this season. Yeah. Lock, you know, they're going to build, they're going to build the play action offense for him. And he's going to take that third year leap, blah, blah, blah. Now let's hear what the national people are saying because yeah. they have less bias of covering these teams a little bit more objectivity what we want to go for here i know there are some realms that are more you know if you question anything then uh you are an enemy of the state and i'm not about that i'd rather be keep it real i've never been into much of the trash talking i'm gonna tell yeah. it like it is that's why i well, prefer that 
and Nick, that's why I like looking at your articles and I hope it's the same with you, man, because we look at all of our, not just favorites, but the draft experts that we respect. There are some folks out there I'm not necessarily fond of on the national level, but I respect their work. And it's cool when we're writing up who they're mocking here. You know, Chad Ryder, you love him. I love him. You just wrote a piece on him. Uh, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay. We know all these names. But like you said, man, it's important for Broncos country to get as many resources as you can. And that's something that we try to provide here at Mile High Huddle. Yeah, break on out of that echo chamber, unless you're just hanging out in here. Then you'll stay in. Let's wait. Let's <laughs> echo it up in here. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Shout out again to Kendall for coming on and joining us. Uh, Scott working in the background there. Make sure you're following Luke and I on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Patterson LP. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. We will see you guys again tomorrow night for an episode of the Huddle Up podcast with Chad and Zach. You guys choose kindness, choose compassion. Have a great rest of your weekend. Luke, what do you, what do you got the rest of the night? Oh, man, the rest of the night, I got Easter plans, man. Something tells me I got to get ready for the Easter bunny to come, if you know what I mean. So I'm going to be doing that. And then I'm going to enjoy a lovely hike with my parents tomorrow morning. Um, And then, yeah, my folks, we live in a beautiful spot right here. So we try to take as much advantage as we can. But it's beautiful because all of the the deer and the elk right now have their fawns out and their calves. And it's it's just beautiful. The bears have just woken up. So, Mm -hmm. You might get a sighting of one of them and they get really spooked and run right up the tree. Uh, But it's just beautiful to be out in nature. So I'm going to unplug tomorrow and just spend tomorrow in nature with my family. And mom's is cooking up a feast, right? I've been running on the elliptical, trying to get back into some more shape. And now she's going to totally ruin it all (laughs) on Sunday. But how about you, man? What's the rest of your weekend look like? I tried to convince some friends to go do mailbox peak with me tomorrow, which is kind of a signature peak about an hour out of Seattle. It's eight miles and 4,000 feet of elevation gain, uh, which is a pretty, it's a pretty good hike. Uh, It's pretty much straight up there at the the beginning part of the loop. But my friend said, yeah, you know, I'm not really feeling that for tomorrow. So we're going to go do a hike as well for an overlook over the Puget Sound closer to Bellingham watching, which would be beautiful. Looks like it's going to be nice weather tomorrow. Was that first dog? Was that first hike like Manitou Springs esque, like where it's just like a straight vertical? Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, yeah no, I'm not sure. After you know, having a couple of beers with the gentleman, if I would uh, Sunday morning, you're, you're hardcore. Do you would would Summit be able to do that one with you? Do you take Summit absolutely everywhere with your hikes? Um, not everywhere because he's not allowed in the national parks on the right. trails there, but uh, in the national Mistake. forest and whatnot. He did it with me on my birthday when I turned thirty this year. And uh, the beginning of the hike, it starts at 8,300 feet and the summit is at uh, just two and two and a half miles later at about 5,000 feet. So it's it's a pretty darn good climb. A lot of fun. Pretty little scary going up too. it's very vertical, but a lot of fun. We're going to get on out of here. Have a good hike tomorrow, Luke. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Easter. And uh, go Broncos. We'll see you later. Have a good one. Go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.